Welcome to the Providence Church Podcast. For more Providence Church, visit us online at provchurch.net. That's P-R-O-V-Church.net. Let's get into it. As a church, we're in this series of our core values. And our core values are how we live, not what we do, right? What we do is given to us by God. It's our mission to go into all the world and make disciples. But how do we do that? We know that churches do things different and even Christians can do things different and we have different opinions on any things. I don't know if anyone's seen recently the, the debate in the Christian world about coffee and church. Have we seen that? It's kind of goofy. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller, he tweeted something about, does coffee really belong in church? It's kind of as a joke. And then all of a sudden they, we form these teams who are like, no way. I mean, if you have your Bible in one hand and you're leading your children in another, how could you be carrying coffee? Right? Well, okay. And the others were like, well, how am I supposed to focus if I don't have coffee? Right? And we formed these. It was so goofy. Uh, but we, we get these. And so as a church, we felt like, well, why don't we de- like develop a group of uh, a list of guidelines of how we're going to live at Providence Church, how we choose to go about our lives as a church together and in our own lives. And so these are our core values. And so we bring hope and we show mercy Uh, We choose trust. We take risks. And today we're going to talk a little bit about pursuing growth. Uh, And so before we go any further, I just want to pray for us uh, this morning. So if you bow your heads with me, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God of growth. A God who did not just throw the world together, put us in it, and step back and watch. God, you're active. You're involved. You created us to be people who grow. And God, you're involved in our lives, you're with us, you're moving and you're working in us. And God, this morning I pray that as a church, as we open your word and read about about, um, the the model that we have, your son Jesus, may we be encouraged and challenged to be people who grow, not only on our own, but together as a church, so that we can make disciples of you. We pray this in your name, amen. God is a God of growth. From the the beginning of the Bible, we can open it up and see a creation story where God uh, built, created this world and set it in motion. Not just painted it on a canvas and set it aside and said, that's pretty neat. But no, our world has ecosystems and environments and it's growing and changing and all these things working together. And then he placed us inside of that as people who grow Physically, literally, we grow, and he also gave us this mandate or this commission to uh, be fruitful and multiply, go into all the world and branch out. And so God is a God of growth. You can see it in Scripture. I put a few references in your uh, bulletin notes there that you can look all throughout Scripture and find uh, uh, verses and, and passages about growth. Don't just drink milk. Move on in your faith and grow so that you can eat steak Right? Don't just be babies in the word, but grow to be mature adults. Growth is all throughout scripture. It's what the church was built on. Build up a church and go bring people in. Go introduce people to Jesus. And Jesus himself was the model of it. He said to his disciples, come, follow me, learn from me, and then go and do as I do. So we see it over and over. All of this uh, growth mindset is modeled in Scripture. Now, I want to just encourage you, but also challenge you. 
Because I, I really love this core value of pursuing growth. It's, it's biblical. It's what we're called to do. But it's also a little bit dangerous. And I say that knowing that last week we talked about taking risks, which is dangerous. And the week before that, our pastor jumped off a ladder, which is a little bit dangerous. But this morning, I want to caution us as a church that pursuing growth, while is, is a biblical mandate, can also be very dangerous or risky if we go about it the wrong way. And so as we open our, our Bibles to John 15, I want you to pay attention to the relationship between growth and health. Growth and health. Last week, we talked taking risks is not sitting back and protecting our health at the expense of growth. But I want to encourage us today that we can't just forge ahead and pursue growth at all costs at the expense of health. And so we're going to read uh, today John 15. And I'm just going to read the whole passage for us, and then we'll look into it a little bit. And I'm reading from the ESV version here. So John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have heard made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This passage starts off with two words, I am. And in the book of John, there's uh, seven different occasions where Jesus is speaking and he uses those words, I am. Uh, after that, he goes on to then reveal something about himself. See, Jesus is not trying to, to hide who he is. As he speaks to his followers, he wants them to know him and know him more. And so he uses uh, imagery in these contexts. And so he says, I am the bread of life or I am the gate of the sheep pen, or I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here he uses the imagery. He says, I am the true vine, the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser or gardener. And later on, he says, then you are the branches. 
And so right away we have this picture that for most of us is, is pretty easy to, to, to imagine. Right? We can think about a tree that has a trunk and branches and leaves or vines or something that's growing that has a root and then some uh, stems or, or branches and then fruit or petals. And, and we're, it's pretty familiar with, uh, with us. Something comes to mind when we say that. But I just want to share with you a little about what this could have meant to the people Jesus was talking to specifically. And to do that, I want to go back uh, to Psalm chapter 80. Psalm chapter 80 is a psalm of uh, Asaph, the choir master. And uh, I'm just going to read it uh, to you here. And as I do, pay attention to the words that are used and see if there's anything that sounds familiar to what we just read in John 15. Okay, you can take notes if you want or just listen. Um, but it says this. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You hear some of that, the vine that's cut and burned and fruit. Some of those things sound familiar. Uh, I'm going to read one more Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, it says this, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And jumping down a second, verse 7, it says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. There's more passages in the Old Testament that uh, speak to this, but who is the vine that these verses are talking about? The nation of Israel. God's people in the Old Testament were the vine. And so we read that uh, God planted his people in the Garden of Eden and asked them to go out and be fruitful and multiply. And uh, when the flood happened, he protected his people and then replanted them on the earth to go out and branch out. 
And when uh, God's people were slaves in Egypt, he pulled them out and cleared the ground. Let's get rid of these giants and these enemies and all these things and make a nice ground to plant my vine and then go branch out and bear fruit. So Israel was the vine. And this imagery was, is what they claimed as we are the vine of, of the Lord and we're going out and we're bearing fruit. But what was the tone of these verses? Is it positive or negative? Well, when your neighbors are laughing at you, it's pretty negative. When the boars are ravaging your, your vineyard, right, it's not a good uh, thing. And so what these verses are showing us is that Israel as the vine didn't really work out so well. The fruit wasn't good fruit. It said, I, I planted grapes, but we got wild grapes. Now, I know in the, in the DR, you could walk up to a mango tree and eat a good mango, but uh, mostly if you see a wild plant out somewhere and you go to check its fruit, it's often rotten or eaten by the deer or whatever, uh, or it's not always fit to eat. Don't go eat wild fruit. Make sure you check it first. Uh, we, we teach that. Or we teach our kids. Don't just eat berries, right? So the wild fruit that's just out there on its own doesn't always yield good results. But then you go to Cherry Hill Orchard where they have the, the trees planted, spaced out perfectly and kept well. And then they have the baskets of apples. And you can take any of those and be pretty confident it's going to be good fruit. And so what these, this uh, picture then in John 15 Jesus comes and says, I am the true vine. And so what Jesus is saying in this is up until now, you guys have been the vine. We kind of went that route and, and you're the vine and branch out and try to bear fruit. And God kept re-pruning you and bringing you back and try to replant. And at a certain point you heard in the psalm that it was just, God, save us, restore us. Bring someone who can fix this. It's just not working. Well, and that's the beauty of us getting to see the whole of Scripture because we see God's plan was to send his son. And Jesus became the vine. And then we, after that, then we just get to be branches. And so uh, in this, I want to just break down a little bit. What does it look like for us to reorient in our mind that we're not the main thing, we're not the vine, Jesus is, and then we are just the branches from that. And what does that fruit look like? And so uh, the first thing is that uh, as we talk about this idea of being uh, growing and pursuing growth, uh, healthy growth comes from a connection to the right source. We have to start with the right source. In our world, what is uh, the message, that, uh, the source of everything is us, right? You got to do it. You can do it. You're amazing. Deep down, dig deep within yourself. Find your happiness. Find your truth. What do you feel? All these things. You can do anything you put your mind to, right? These are the messages that are out there. Well, what does the Bible tell us? John 15, 5. No, you can't. In fact, apart from me, you can do nothing. Put that on a coffee mug and sip out of that in the morning. All right, I can do nothing today <laughs> apart from the Lord. All right, but it's, it's pretty clear that the message is you have to start with the right source. And be, to do that, we have to reset our American minds that we are the main point of everything. 
We can't live that way. And there's a whole book of examples of how that doesn't work. In the beginning, when God created man and placed them in the garden, gave them everything they needed to thrive and survive, he gave them just one command. Just, just follow me. Just listen to, to me. And the moment they were given another option, hey, you could grow in wisdom. You could pursue growth of wisdom and you could become like God. What? That sounds great. Let's go that way. And then we see uh, the Tower of Babel. A little bit later when man said, hey, we figured out how to make bricks and put them together and we all got each other. This is like the most common thing that they got all the people working together is a miracle in itself. But they said, let's build a tower. And if we do, we could reach the heavens and we could become God. And we see in the empire of Egypt where they said, hey, look, the water is moving and there's something moving the, the reeds over there and that frog just jumped. They must be God's. So let's give them names and images and, and idols, and then let's pick one guy, and we'll call him Pharaoh, and he could interpret what the gods are saying, and we'll offer sacrifices to all these things, and, and we'll live with the gods. And that's just the book of Genesis, right? How, many, how did it go for all of those people? Not so well. Because God is not interested in being our servants, I was going to say this, this like felt, God speaking to me, like he's not interested in being at our level or below us. And yet we kind of live that way, don't we? You know what? Let's sit down and play in the family calendar and let's just see all the things we got to do. And let's see what we can get our kids into and, and all these things and what community events and where do we want to go on vacation and all of these things. And we build it out and we plan our whole lives and, and figure it out, all these things. And then, all right, do we have time to go to church? If I have time today, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to sprinkle in, we kind of sprinkle God on top and just say, God, bless our endeavors. <laughs> but I don't think God's interested in that because time and time again, he has cut those vines, pruned those vines away. And so it starts by we have to recognize that we are not the source of everything Jesus is. And so as Jesus speaks to his disciples, he's saying, I'm the vine. My father is overseeing this. He's taking care. He's got everything. You just get to be branches. You just get to be branches. And so once we uh, accept that and admit that and, and put ourselves in the right place as a second, then we just follow the vine's path. Right? The second thing is healthy growth comes from uh, staying or continuing on the right path. See, the, the first part saying, okay, God is, is the center. Jesus, be the center of my heart. You be my king. Okay, that's, we can come alongside that. And we can all agree on that. But then the next part is a little difficult for us because Jesus tells them how to do that. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All of this sounds good. Then verse 10 says this, if you, you will abide in my love, if what? If you keep my commandments. Ooh, commandments. It's a little harsh, Jesus. This is 2023. We don't command people to do anything. We can offer it if you would like to do this, but we all get to live our own truth here, 
okay? And so if we want to do that, if it works with our schedule, Jesus, we'll follow that. But commandments, come on. Right? It's, it's our, in our culture, we're kind of ingrained with this idea that, like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I get to decide what I want to do. I mean, that's what they, they tell us. That's what everything is built around. We get the choice. We get the option of what we want to do. And so when it comes to obeying Jesus, hmm, all right, there's some things here that are fine. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, gather, we'll worship, praise. Those are things that we do them anyway. But love your neighbor? Like, have you met my neighbor, Jesus? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I'm not saying specifically uh, my neighbor, okay? Uh, it's my in-laws. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it gets challenging. And so we kind of stumble on this. But what Jesus is saying is, is listen, if you want to abide in my love, you want to stay in me, with me as a source, just, just follow my commandments. Listen to what I say. And well, what is the commandment he gives them? He says it right here. Uh, my commandment, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And he goes on then to talk about it. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, here's the thing. I think Jesus knows uh, that commandments or obedience can really uh, set us apart from him, in a sense. And here's why I say that. If you talk to anyone who doesn't want anything to do with God or church, what's their main uh, excuse usually? There's too many rules. There's too many things we got to follow, and I don't know if I'll always get it right, or just it's oppressive, right? It puts me in this box here where I can't, have fun anymore because I have to do this. I can't do this because I have to do this. And when we do that, we, we diminish God to this uh, authoritative dictarian who uh, is just mean and he's evil and he's sitting up there with lightning bolts and like, if you mess up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smite you. All right? And, and so when we do that, it really is, it's a faith killer. When we see God that way, it just kills our faith. I was thinking about this this week and it reminded me of uh, in my sports career, if you will, uh, I had a coach one time that was an awesome coach. He, he knew uh, the sport and he uh, was funny and fun, but he was also good and, and uh, focused. And our team uh, kind of rallied around him. And as we grew together, we, we became a pretty good team. And we, we really respected our coach, and we went to tournaments and things, and it, it, was, it was awesome. But there was a one year where things changed. And I don't even to this day know, but coach changed. He became strict. No more joking. We're serious. And what it did for the team then was we all kind of got a little bit on edge, like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. we got to be serious. Because if you mess up, coach is going to pull you from the game. And I remember specifically, there was one kid in particular, and I can picture this to this day, this game, the first play of the game, he went down and he made a mistake. He said, get up, get him out of here. And that kid was, was a great leader, great player, a lot of potential in our team, and he just tanked because he was so afraid of mistake. Coach was just on him, and, and all of us in that year, we just fell apart. But God's not like that. I think sometimes we think that God's up there and we're just like, oh, we're just disappointing you again, God. I'm sorry. I'll just sit. I'll go sit on the bench again. 
You're probably disappointed in me. But that's not who God is. And listen to the language that Jesus uses. He wants to make sure they know that. He says, keep my commandments. Abide in me. You know what? Abide in my love. Love. Yeah. Abide in my love as I abide in the Father's love. And as I give, you know, the commandment I'm going to give you is about love. Love one another as I've loved you. And you know what? If you do this, you're my friends. Right? You're not my servants. I'm your master who's just going to do this, do that. You're my friends. I want to do this with you. I want to share the mission with you. We're giving you everything you need so that you can be my friend. And he even goes on to say this. It's not, not even that you're choosing me. Do you want to sign up for this or not? I'm choosing you. When he says that, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And in all of these things, notice what he says. When you do this, you can ask anything in my Father's name and I'll, I'll give it to you because I know you're in the vine and you're following the right path. And, and if that's not enough, he even brings in the word joy. Now, why am I giving you commandments? I give you these commandments so that my joy may be in you and your joy shall be complete. Isn't that kind of what we're all trying to figure out? How to have a life that's full of joy? When we're successful, it's, it's joyful. When we win, uh, there's joy. When we're together, when we're friends, when everyone's loving each other, it's, it's joyful. And we know what it's like when it's not. And so Jesus is very clear. He's using the language that speaks to them and saying, if you don't even get this, I'm just going to make sure there's no mistake here that I'm for you and I'm with you if you remain in me. And so we start by giving Jesus the right place, the right source, and then we continue to follow his path, not out of duty or out of frustration, but out of joy. And then we bear fruit. I think one of the problems with pursuing growth is that we, we try to jump right to the end point. We say, let's, what's the growth? What's the goal? Let's do it. And we even said this, we do any, whatever it takes today to become better tomorrow. And when I read that, I'm like, okay, like, not whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes is the right source and the right path. Because God really brings the fruit anyway. Right? When we try to create our own fruit, when we try to manufacture the result, we get artificial fruit. And some of us can be really enticed by artificial fruit. I think back to the Garden of Eden, or this promise that was given them, you, if you eat this, you could be like God. And how many things in our world exist to say, if you do this, then you'll be awesome. Any commercial, if you go to this restaurant, you'll be family, right? If you have this kind of phone, you'll be awesome. If you use this, uh, whatever, people will think you're pretty. And all of these things, all of these promises of artificial fruit, and we're just going after it, right? If you, like just taking bites of, of fake fruit, like, oh, maybe this, no, not that one. Maybe this one, no, not that one. And it can be so easy for us to just get caught up in, in the fruit that we set. Success, winning, popularity. The other thing is sometimes we get bored with God's fruit. And we talk about the fruit, kind of fruit that God, bring, God brings is joy and love and peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all these things we say, well, these are good things, but sometimes the way it happens is kind of, I don't know, it's a little boring. God, I've been patient for a while. I'm kind of done with that. I'd kind of like you to give me the result, the thing I want now. Being kind to this person over and over, but I mean, they're not really being kind back. So am I done with that now? I think that's where we get, it gets a little dangerous when we, we have this growth mindset of whatever it costs, because we're going to get that thing. And God, if you don't give it to us, then we're just going to go outside of you to get it. And the interesting thing about God, and actually this is one of the most gracious, beautiful things about our God, is that he will allow us to go wherever we want. He lets us choose our path. Sometimes we think it'd be easier, God, it'd be a lot easier if you just told us what to do and we'll just come and do it. That's what a lot of other religions preach. These are the, the 12 things that you have to do to be a good whatever, and you have to sacrifice and all these things. But when Jesus came, he kind of did away with that and said, listen, this is going to be a relationship, not just a religion. And so come with me, follow me, and I'm going to show you the fruit. We're going to, I'm going to bring the fruit for you through your life. There's a verse in Romans chapter 1 uh, that uh, talks about the, the wicked and the uh, evil and how they're prospering. And, and what it says, there's a verse in there that says, they traded the truth for a lie. And it's not talking about uh, heathens or, or anti-God, whatever. It's like the people, there's people who claim God with their, their mouth, but their hearts are far from him. They've traded the truth of God for a lie. They've picked different fruit or they've, they've grown tired of God's fruit. But here's the thing in this verse, we see that the God is not up there to be like, good luck. No, he's the gardener. And if you're a gardener, you know, you, you got to keep up with it, right? You got to prune and you got to uh, dig out and you got to shape and you got to do some work to give the right situation for that uh, branch or that vine or that plant or whatever to grow. And it says God is, is in it. He's in our lives. He's in this world. He hasn't abandoned us. If you look at the news and you spend a little bit of time there, you can think, man, God is, where did he go? We're going down. But he's not. In fact, he's giving us every opportunity, creating the path for us that if we would remain in Jesus, see him as the source, and we take that, and as he guides us, we branch out into our jobs, into our schools, into our sports, into our communities, into our neighbors. We follow and we obey his commandments to love our neighbors, to, uh, to fellowship and worship with one another, to go out of our way, to do all these things, to honor one another. And as we do that, he's going he's gonna to plant some fruit. We're going to start to see it popping up. And the alternative, I just want to show, uh, Peg, if you throw that picture up there real quick. Uh, this is uh, an image from actually out in the meadow. Uh, behind us, and you can go out and see it today. Uh, but th we had a tree. It's kind of hard to see a little bit. Uh, there were two trees standing side by side, and one of them, in a, a windstorm a few months ago, came down. And it's kind of been interesting because every day I come here and I kind of look out and I see it, and every day it's a little bit more brown. It's a little bit more crunchy. It's a little bit more dead. And the reality is this. We didn't choose to be here. We didn't choose God. He chose us. He said, I'm going to bring you into this earth and you're going to be my branches and I'm going to bear fruit through you. And if not, 
are going to have to cut you off. You're going to die. Apart from me, you're just existing here on this planet, just wasting away. And eventually, someone's going to gather you up, put you in a burn pile, and that's it for you. And so it really comes down to our, our, how we're going to respond to that. I just want to leave you guys with three words here from this uh, passage that we kind of talked to. And the first is abide. Abide in me. Abiding can't happen in an hour and a half on a Sunday. Abiding is, is staying, remaining. And so we connect to the source every day, every morning. When you go to work, find a way. When you get in your car, when your kids get up from bed, when you open the refrigerator, find a way to remind yourself to abide. All right, let's connect, Lord. Sometimes that can be journaling. Sometimes you could put a note on your, your window. Sometimes it can just be encouraging one another. Hey, good morning. You abiding yet? Like, what if we started living that way and just reminded ourselves instead of, hey, how's your fantasy football team doing? Or, hey, how's work? Hey, how's your week going? Hey, how's your sports team? Right, all those things that were good. If your sports team is the source of your happiness, good luck. Especially if you're a Texas fan, man. Uh, it's rough right now. Hey, but uh, Phillies fans, I think you know it too. Okay, uh, so if that's our source, then man, we're, we're in for it. It's not going to work out so great. So abide in the right source. That no matter what happens with my sports team, I'm still going to watch and cheer and have fun, but that's not where my joy comes from. That's not where my joy comes from. Okay, remind yourself. So abide, start there and stay in that. And then and what is God asking you to do? Obey. Obey. We read the word and take this as your commandments. We live in a culture where sometimes we, we look, uh, something happens and we go and like, should I be offended by that? Should we be offended by that? Should we be doing that? Why don't we look here first? Why don't we look here and as we, we read and see where the vine, what, what path did the vine lead? Jesus was the example. It's cool how as he's reading this, as he's teaching this to his disciples, he says, right, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. And you know what? They didn't know this yet, but in a, a few moments, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And he said, this is the example that I give you. And we have that example. We can read it, and that's why we come to church and we teach and we read. So get connected and learn more about what his word says so that we can do those things. And then the last one, I'm going to leave you this word, adore. Adore. I was thinking about this, like what is it when it comes to the, the fruit and this idea of pursuing growth? So I think sometimes we just love our own fruit more than Jesus and the fruit that he brings. We just love the idea with our business being successful that we're just afraid that God's path might be something different. I just love this college so much, and this is where I want to go. This is the job I want to do, and I'm afraid if I pray and, and seek God, he might have me come over here. And so we, I think we need to fall a little bit more in love with Jesus and what he's doing. And that's why we need to hear from guys like J.C., who are coming and saying, listen, we're going to the dump where kids are playing and we're bringing basketballs and we're teaching them about Jesus. And we need to hear that from you. Where are you going in your job and what are you doing and what God, what's God doing there? We need to be sharing that with each other. We need to be encouraging. Guys, I'm so excited. Man, God's doing this. All right, it's awesome. Let's celebrate that. 
Let's adore him and the things he's doing, the things of God. And as we fall more in love with him and we see this play out in our lives, I think we're going to see us making disciples. Uh, I, the last um, thing I want to leave you with, there's a quote from a guy named Dallas Willard. And we talk about discipleship. And he said, discipleship is simply becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Now, I love that because to me it's so simple. If Jesus was here, if he was given the family I have and the position I have and the height I have and whatever I have, what would he be doing with it? That's where I need to be. He's the, he's the source. He's the vine. I'm going to branch out from him, follow wherever he sends me. And man, we're going to celebrate the fruit that he brings. And we want to do that as a church together. Thank you for listening to this latest sermon. For more Prof. Church, check out our YouTube at Prof. Church Lancaster. Follow us on Facebook at Prof. Church Life, on Instagram at Prof. Church, or visit our website, profchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and be sure to make it a great day. <laughs>